0: Good morning, Church. My name is Forrest. Uh, I'm uh, doing the announcements today. I'm going to try not to mess anything up. That's uh, my number one goal. (laughs) And as you come up here, don't mess anything up. Don't say anything weird. You know, that's kind of what I I do. I usually fail the second one. So, Um, yeah, so uh, this is our our mission and purpose. We are a, a, a gathered group of Christians who exist to give creative and meaningful worship to God and to discover and develop disciples for our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Got a bunch of announcements here, but the one I don't want to forget is we got Community Days next Sunday. So that's right after church, and we're going to try to do a sign-up. I think it's at the... the, Desk thingy out there, so yeah, okay. Um, also, there are still uh, Life Fest tickets, I believe. Um, so, if you have a, a friend who doesn't know the Lord, there are these ten dollars Saturday only Life Fest tickets that uh, that you can get um, as a way just to make it easy for you to bring them and and hear the gospel at Life Fest. So, um, there's a list of VBS items needed, which is pretty cool. You can actually just donate things you have around the house to help out with VBS. Um, youth group is looking for leaders. Um, so if you've always kind of wondered, you know, maybe I could help out. Maybe, you know, if you have a, a heart, you just realize that, you know, our kids are going through a lot. They, they, they've got a, a challenge ahead of them. Um, if that's something that's on your heart, um, maybe youth group is a good place for you to serve. Um, let's see. Music team. Music team's looking for more. I know, you know, you see them up here and you're like, oh, they got it. They're so good. No, I no, no. was looking for more musicians. So if you if you sing or play an instrument, talk to Aaron. Uh, Rock has got a family game night on July 5th at 5 p.m. Board games, card games, good food. You are all invited. And just a note: the office will be closed on Monday, July 3rd, and Tuesday, July 4th. So, all right. Um, I I, uh, I said last week. You know, if you're if you're new here or you're, you're, you've visited a few times we're so glad you're here, um, truly. And sometimes we confess, you know, we're thinking about, especially days like this, it's a holiday. we want to get out there and have our lunch or whatever. Um, but we don't want to miss you. Um, last week I said, we're looking for you, which sounded kind of weird. Like I said, fail on the weird thing. But, um, what I meant to say was there are people here who want to get to know you. Uh, there are people here who want to show, uh, kindness and love to you and, and, and let you know that this is a place that you're welcome. Um, so, you know, I know we're all, we're all trying to get back out there to lunch. You know, probably got meat on the grill. Um, but let's just, let's just right now decide, hey, we can take an extra 10, 20 minutes. We'll hang around here a little bit. We'll meet somebody new. So here's our, uh, our scripture for this week. This is Mark 10, 35 through 45. Let's all, let's all uh, read it together. Please feel free to stand if you're able. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said. We want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, Let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You do not know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be the first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. O Lord God, it is mind-blowing to call you the chief servant, but that's what you've called yourself. Um, You came to serve your creation. We were made for you. We were made for your glory, Um, and we walked away, but you came to serve us in the most powerful way possible. Um, I just pray that that would become more real to us, That that would affect our hearts in a new way, as we as we soak in these scriptures this morning. This in your name.
1: Good to have you here this morning. And um, if I haven't met you before, my name is Pastor Adam, and and uh, we've been on a little journey. Um, You can back this off just a little bit, Mark. Thank you. Um, We've been on a little journey um, that's going to last about five months, and it is looking at Jesus' discipleship practices, the things that Jesus did with his disciples in making disciples and understanding that we need to be a disciple of Christ to make disciples of Christ. And so in May, we looked at passionate prayer that Jesus uh, taught them how to pray, but he also prayed himself. Went up on the mountain to pray all night long at times. And then in June, we looked at initiating relationships in which he did bringing this group together and being in consistent community with one another. So that was June, and now it's July, and our focus is humble service and a generous lifestyle. Humble service and a generous lifestyle. And I've titled this sermon, The Prideful Christian And kind of a subtitle in this passage of Scripture is looking at the composure of Christ. And sometimes when you look at something that you're supposed to do, you have to kind of look at what you're not supposed to do. So if you're talking about humble service, the opposite of that is pride. Or if you're looking at a generous lifestyle, the opposite of that is being selfish, is being selfish. So we're going to look kind of on that side of pride. I wanted to share with you something else too. When I was down in Florida, when I was down in Florida, I grabbed my NIV Bible. Um, This, I got this for my high school graduation. I got it for my high school graduation from Pastor Ray Shaw. Um, This is not the 1984 version. This is the 1978 version of it. And you'll see it's about coming apart. This actually was my preaching Bible in my very first church when I was 20, 21 years old. So I thought, oh, I'm going to bring that back. And be able to preach out of it. Also, did you notice we have a trifold bulletin again? Somebody said, boy, I haven't seen one of those in a long time. Yeah. So make sure you grab one of these. It gives you all the things that are happening in the church and also some sermon sermon notes on the end of it. So let's go to the scripture. And what I want to do is a little bit of a lead in into this passage that we read. A little bit of a lead in starts in verse 32. What's Jesus saying to his disciples just prior to what we read? So in verse 32, chapter 10 of Mark, verse 32, it says, they, meaning Jesus and his disciples, that group, were on their way to Jerusalem and Jesus was leading the way. Now that's important because what is waiting for Jesus in Jerusalem? A cross. Death is waiting for him. And 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 the disciples know and the crowd knows at this time that the Pharisees and the scribes, they want to kill Jesus. So he's, he, but notice he's leading the way. He's not in the back. He's leading the way to the cross. He's leading to the way to the cross. Then it says, um, and the disciples were astonished and while they were, and those who were followed were afraid. Again, he took the 12 aside. And I stop right there again. Because there are times that um, he wants to take them out of the whole big crowd that is around him and say, I want to pull you aside, and I got some words just to share with you. I got some words just to share with you. I want you to be able to hear my voice. There's all kinds of voices in the crowd, but I want you to hear my voice specifically say what I'm going to say to you. And I, I think that's really relevant to today that when we talk about our Sunday morning gatherings or we talk about our small groups and things like that, it's a time to pull ourselves out of the voices of the world and say, hey, we're going we're gonna to listen to the voice of God coming from the scriptures. We're going to pull ourselves away aside and hear from God's word. And in, then he says, "And I, uh, and told them what was going to happen to him. Now, I believe this is like the third time He's given this, in, this thing, and, and this time it gets even more detailed. When he says, and, and this is what I call near prophecies, Jesus is going to say something that's going to happen, and it's, I call it a near prophecy because it's going to be happening in the near future, the very near future. So he says this, we are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man, he's referring to himself, will be betrayed. There's the first one to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. There's the second one. They will contemn him to death. That's the third one. And will hand him over to the Gentiles. That's the fourth one. Who will mock him, fifth one, spit on him, sixth one, flog him, seventh one, kill him, eighth one, and then the ninth one, three days later he will rise. Three days later he'll rise. So nine different things. A prophet, the credibility of a prophet is the fulfillment of his prophecies. And so what he did was he gave them these nine different things that even though they didn't quite understand what he was saying at the moment in time, that later on they would be able to go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Wow. It happened just like Jesus said. Just like he told us those three or four times ahead of time, it happened just like he said. Now, remember, that is what he's leading into this passage of Scripture. That's where he just got done talking about what's going to happen to him in Jerusalem. So now we go to verse 35. And it says, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, We want you to do for us whatever we ask. Whatever we ask. Now, they're the sons of Zebedee. Zebedee's wife, most believe, is Salome. Salome, some believe, is the, is the sister to Mary, the mother of Jesus. So this could be like a family request. I mean, coming from family. This is family talking to family saying, hey, I, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to do me a favor. In Matthew's account of this, uh, James and John's mother is actually the one that's kind of pushing them. To, to ask this. And we've seen that with Jesus even when he's at the wedding in Cana and they run out of wine. Who's the one that kind of pushes the issue? Yeah, Mary, when she, do whatever he says. Do whatever he says. But I, I put down here, I want to tell you something, but I don't want you to get mad. Have you ever had somebody say that to you? Like, is that possible? No, it's not possible. Mean, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are trying to dictate how I'm going to feel after you say what you're going to say? Yeah. They, right off the bat, you see that, man, that's a pretty prideful statement that's being said there. So they said to him, we want you to do whatever we ask. Now, here's why I call it the composure of Christ, because look at verse 36. Look at the composure of Christ. What do you want me to do for you? He yeah. asked. He didn't uh, say that was a really prideful statement. That, that doesn't make any sense, James and John. Who do you think you are? He didn't go through any of that. He just composed the, he just said, what do you want me to do for you, he asked. Then verse 37, they replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. Now remember the last conversation he had with them. He just told them he's going to Jerusalem, he's going to die. And so, Here on the heels of that information, they say, well, since that's going to happen, you know, we'd like to be in the will right now. So can you write us in the will that we can have the right and the left and, and just, you know, the best seats in the house? That's all we want. We just want the best seats in the house. Now, remember this too, that they had just went up the Mount of Transfiguration. How many went up the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus? Three. Yeah. So who do they need to get rid of? Peter, yeah, we got to get Peter out of the picture because there's only a left and a right. There's only a left and a right. So here they are. Remember the last conversation he had, and they're asking for these best seats in the house. Verse 38. Look at Jesus' composure again. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism? I am baptized with. Now, the obvious answer is no. No, they can't. That cup, that specific cup that Jesus was going to drink is the cup of God's wrath. And that cup of God's wrath against the sin of the world could only be drunk by someone who was righteous and he's the only righteous one. And the baptism, the baptism of suffering and his death on the cross to be the payment for our sins, he's the only one. He's the only one that can do that. So the obvious answer to the question here is, is, is no. But then look how they respond in verse 39. We can, they answered. We can. Here's an all-out prideful statement. It's almost like maybe they pecked out their chest when they said that, you know? Jesus, don't you see this has an SD on here? Super disciple. And pretty soon Jesus is going to be an SA, super apostle. Whatever you say, yes, we can do it. We can do it. Watch how Jesus responds here again. Composure. Jesus said to them, You will, future, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. He tells them, Yes, in the future, in the future, you will stand against sin. And in the future, you will suffer for being a disciple, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And as we jet into the future, we know that James, the apostle, was the first apostle that was martyred for Christ's sake. I mean, off with his head. And we know that John was the last apostle who who died, and he was banished to an island called Patmos, and he was banished there because he was a follower of Jesus Christ. So in the future, yes, you will, James and John, you will suffer for my sake, for my name's sake. Going to verse 40, he continues the thought with this, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those whom they have been prepared. Now, here's the statement that, we have to, when we, when we get prideful, we have to stop and say, but this is what he's saying. God is God and you are not. James and John, God is God and you are not. And what you're asking for is out of your pay grade. <laughs> what you're asking for is out of your zone. What you're asking for, mm-mm, that's only God can do that. And see, that's where pride takes us many times. Pride takes us to a place where we try to be God. And we try to dictate what's right and wrong. So we live in a society right now that has tried to redefine marriage. And when you go to the Bible, you have to say, "No, no, God is God and we are not. Our society is trying to redefine what gender and sex and everything is, trying to make it into this multi-thing. And you have to go to your Bible and say, no, God is God and we are not. And let me give you one more. And this one's been around for a while is is we've tried to redefine what salvation is and and many ways to get to God. Oh, there's multiple ways to get to God. And you have to go to your Bible and say, no, the Bible says that God is God, and we are not, and we are not. So, so there are things in our world, there are things that we live through where we get the same answer. We might want something, like James and John, but but he comes back with, but you are not God. You are not God. God decides this. Not you. So verse 41, we see some loss of composure, but it's not by Jesus. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Yeah, they got mad at them. Like, you're like, wow, these guys jumping in. Who's you know, who's on first? What's on second? I don't know who's on third. Yeah, they, they were arguing about, wait a minute here. Who are they to get first and second place? Now, I put up there, pride reappears. Because if you read along in the New Testament, you'll get to the Last Supper. You'll get to the night before he's put on the cross. And what are the disciples still doing around the table? They're still arguing about who's going to be first, who's going to be second, who's going to be third. Pride reappears. Verse 42, Jesus goes on to say, Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who regarded as ruler of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. I stop right there. He's just explaining them. This is the world system. We know how the world system works. There's a hierarchy in the world system, and 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 they 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 use their authority by by putting authority over others. I put down there. Have you, how many have watched Downton Abbey? Yeah, you've seen Downton Abbey. Yeah, and there's upstairs and downstairs. And there's quite a difference between those that are upstairs and those that are downstairs kind of thing. So all Jesus is doing is say, okay, you understand the world's system. Now he's going to take them to his system, God's system, in verse 43, not so with you. God's system, not so with you. He continues on to say, Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. So when God looks in his system, when he's he's looking and he's looking for someone who is great, he's not looking for the person that's on the podium, the one, two, and three on the podium. He's not looking for that. He's looking for someone who is serving. When he sees somebody serving, in God's system he says that is great that is great now he said this already in mark chapter 9 verse 35 when it says sitting down Jesus called the 12 and said if anyone wants to be first he must be the very last and the servant of all the servant of all we also just got done studying first and second peter and uh, in first peter chapter 5 in verse 3 he made this statement. Peter made this statement, and you can hear it in our passage of Scripture when he's instructing the religious leaders of the day, of the church. Verse 3 says, not lording it over those um, entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. So you can see that Peter heard what Jesus said here, and later on, what's he do? He's writing that and instructing the leaders of the church, this is how you lead in God's system, not like the world does, lording it over them, but by being examples to them. And then he he gives us one more verse here. And and whoever wants to be first must become the slave of all. So in God's system, if someone is to be first or someone is to be great, in God's system, they are actually a servant and a slave of all. And then what does Jesus do? He gives us the ultimate example, and the ultimate example is always Jesus himself. It is always Jesus himself. For even the Son of Man, he's referring to himself, did not come to be served, but to serve, and give his life as a ransom for many. Give his life as a ransom for many. Now, many of you remember that famous quote by JFK. You know, don't ask what your country can do for you. But ask what you can do for your country. Yeah. Where do you get that from? Right here. Got that right here. The son of man didn't come to serve, but to be served, but to serve, but to serve. And he came. He came. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He gave His only begotten Son. He came. And He came and gave it all. That first there says it's a ransom. He gave His life as a ransom. Ransom meaning He paid the price. Meaning He put Himself in the place of someone else on that cross. That's what He did. Now, if I can go back to First Peter one more time. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24. It's, it's, it's a beautiful rendition of this. He himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness and then by his wounds. Everybody say that. By his wounds, you have been healed. You have been healed. Remember, our message is Jesus, isn't it? It is. So at this part of the sermon, I'm going to pull the pulpit back, and I'm going to to swipe one of these other stools up here. I want to tell you five things. Am I a prideful Christian? And some of these things that I'm going to tell you this morning, I'm in the story. I don't like to do that, but I think sometimes um, I've seen these things um, so that I would understand them. And some of the things that I'm telling you this morning are, are not only maybe it happened to somebody else, but it, it at times it's happened to me. So am I a prideful Christian? That's the question. If I'm a prideful Christian, I feel entitled and my words are less grateful. That's what a prideful Christian does. They feel entitled of things being a certain way and their words start to be less grateful. They start to complain more. They start to criticize more. And that's what happens. I put down there the old yellow church van. That means there's a story. <laughs> my very first church, we had an old yellow church van. I was in northern Michigan. You can imagine what that church van looked like. Yeah, yeah, it was a rust bucket. And I worked, uh, part of my job was to work on the church van every week. So it was ready for Sunday morning, and we would do three routes every Sunday morning. We would have more kids in the sanctuary than adults in that that church. There was a couple in the church that were more well-to-do than anybody else in the church. They always had the nicest car. It was always shined right up. They didn't even park it by the other cars in in the gravel parking lot. They kind of let you know they were there. They kind of let you know in a roundabout way how much they gave. And they had been there a long time. Well, while I was there, they got to retirement age, and they started to do the Florida thing. But when they went to Florida, they expected the church to be exactly the same way when they got back. And guess what? It wasn't. No, because God kept bringing new people into the church. And so once they got back, we had a a Sunday night business meeting and just tidying up some things in the church. And one of them raised their hands and said, you know what? We are sure thankful that the name of the church is not on that van because we are totally embarrassed. uh, We are ashamed and we are so thankful that that name, our name is not on there. And that was it. And now always, it's tough when you're the leader and you have to like, like, what do you say next? You know, and I'm sure I said something like, well, you know, we could do this and this and this because I'm an optimist, you know, kind of thing. But after the meeting, after the meeting, I had some of the new people come up to me who didn't know this couple. And they just said, pastor, who are those mean people? Who are those mean people? And just so you know, that that's how it comes across. When you're prideful and your language gets less grateful, it comes across as mean. As mean. Now, I went to that couple because, wow, I wouldn't want somebody to think I was mean. And I shared with them that. And, and, and instead of saying how they could help in the situation, all they did was continue to be less grateful. So am I a prideful Christian? Well, if you feel entitled for it to be a certain way and your language is getting less grateful, it might be a clue. Now, I've got a few quotes in here too. This one's from C.S. Lewis. According to the Christian teachers and The Essential Vice, the utmost evil is pride. And chastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. It is pride which has been the chief cause of misery in every nation and every family since the world began. Let me give you a number two. Am I a prideful Christian? I'm unwilling to clean the church toilets. Yeah, I've seen this so many times. Churches that don't have a janitor, they pick up after themselves. And then when the church hires a janitor, what do you do? You just leave it on the floor. I mean, that's what they got a janitor for. They pick it up, you know, kind of thing. Um, I also put down there the downfall of spiritual gifts tests because I've seen this. You, you, if you've taken one of those spiritual gifts tests, you know, 176 questions, you evaluate yourself, and oh, yeah, all this kind of What I've found is that many times when people take those spiritual gift tests, it, it's a license to say no, no. We need help in the nursery. We need help with this. Nope. Sorry, Pastor. Sorry, Pastor. That's not my gifting. mm no. Nope. nope. I'm waiting. I'm holding out for my gifting to come up so I can serve in that area. Yeah. You have to watch out. I'm unwilling to clean the church toilets. Number three, you close your notebook and operate in gotcha mode if you're a prideful Christian. You close your notebook and operate in gotcha mode. You you stop taking notes. You stop listening to certain people because you feel that you are above them. You know more than they know. You've been here longer. And so you stop and you close up your notebook. You start to tune them out. You start to tune them out. And you're waiting for someone to mess up. You're waiting for that person to mess up. You're waiting for them to say something so you can say, gotcha. 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 And and when you do that, what are you doing? You're elevating yourself over them. That's what you're doing. Now, sad to say that I've had this happen many times. I'm not a very educated man. (laughs) I was I've been through the whole iteration of, you know, cassettes, CDs, all these different ways that you record a service kind of thing. We were in the CD mode. We were in the CD mode, had a Thing, and we we record every service I'm at another meeting, don't go to meetings, no, another meeting <laughs> no, go to the meetings uh, another meeting where someone said, Pastor, I'm sure they didn't say it that way, but pastor, on Easter Sunday, you didn't say anything about the resurrection. and i'm and I'm thinking I'm pretty sure I did you know I didn't say that out loud, but I'm pretty sure I did, you know, and so after the service, I went back and got the CD from the Easter service and I listened to it. I'm like, no, I did. I did. It's right there. It's right there. You know, lots of times I preach chapter by chapter, verse by verse, through whole books of the Bible. And sometimes I don't vary from that. But usually, even when those times of the year come around, there is something that ties into it. Okay, There's something that ties into it. So I took that CD and I took it to this lady. And I said, would you please listen to this? And she wouldn't take it from me. Yeah, she had tuned me out. She had tuned me out. That's what, as a prideful Christian, you will start to tune people out that you think are beneath you. Or beneath you. Number, th- number four, my prideful Christian, you, you like the spotlight and are reluctant to share it reluctant to share it, you get territorial. You get territorial. You start to own things that are really not yours. And even within the church, you'll start to do that. I put down there, I'm so good. And I am. I am so good. I know that because many of you have told me. Many of you have told me, I am so good. You are phenomenal, Adam. Wow. And I know that. I know that 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 you you know you were lucky to get me, you really were you could have got anybody else but you got me and so i and i'm kind of wondering what's it going to be like when I leave i mean i well i'm I'm praying already for you, you know that you'll be able to make it now you know that that's facetious and it's amazing I even know that word, and my wife when she sees this on the on the She's going to go, Adam! Yeah. But but I need to say a caveat here. And the caveat is this. Is that we need to, at times you will be in the spotlight. And maybe you're in the spotlight for a long time. And here's a whole nother sermon. But how come? because you're not pulling back here or pulling alongside of you and bringing somebody along to go into that spotlight, into that ministry, into that area that you're in. And lots of times you're you're stuck there in the spotlight for a long time because you haven't been doing the work of discipleship because our method is discipleship. Our method is discipleship. Beware of those times when you think, they could not do this without me. Okay, number five, last one. You address before you confess, if you ever do. You address something before you confess, if you ever do. And if you ever confess, your sin is always minimal in comparison. It is always, yeah, it's like, well, it's not as bad as that, but you know, it's minimal in comparison. I hate telling this story. Another church, and we had uh, spiritual leaders. uh, The elders um, were in a meeting, and they pulled in the team leaders. It was a special meeting they were having. And one of the elders, I'll point right down here, Scott. Yeah, it's not Scott. Um, One of the elders said something wrong in the meeting. What he said was he said a name of someone in the church, and he said it in a negative way and 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 that there were team leaders in that meeting also and as soon as he said it it was like yeah. i changed the conversation but in the back of my mind i'm like okay i got to have a personal conversation with this man about this after the meeting after the meeting there were some team leaders that came right up to me cuz they weren't usually in those meetings they came right up to me and said uh work can Confused. We're we're kind of troubled by what was said in the meeting, and I they didn't even have to tell me what was being said in the meeting because I already registered that kind of thing. But we're really troubled. We're 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 like, you know, it makes us feel like, wait a minute. If one of our spiritual leaders speaks about that person in a negative way in a in a meeting, have they ever talked about us? Have they ever talked about me that way? So I had to go over to this man's house and I had to address this issue. And I said to him, and now I'm the optimist. You know, I'm always the optimist. So I'm going in there thinking, okay, I'm going to share this with him. He's going to go, oh, man, I am so sorry and ask for forgiveness. And I'm going to stand up in front of the church next Sunday and please ask forgiveness about all that. That's what I'm going to do kind of thing. That's what I'm thinking. And I said, you know, I was in that meeting and and you said this and you brought up this name. And, and, and you said it in a negative light. And I said, and, and there were those in the meeting that came to me and were confused. They were conflicted over this. What was his response? It's not what I wanted. Who are these people? Why didn't they come to me? They're not following Matthew 18. They should be following Matthew 18. I mean, it's just like that. I'm not playing that up. And I'm just like, Oh, a time when you want to say, you know, you don't got it. (laughs) Because a Christian thinks of the other more than they think of themselves. And especially a Christian leader. Am I a prideful Christian? When I address things, I point fingers rather than be in confession mode. Now, I want to quickly flip this, flip it over to a humble Christian a humble Christian has grateful language. They, they, they're thankful. They're, they're so grateful for everything that God has provided and all the people that God has brought about them. A humble Christian is willing to serve anywhere, anywhere. Like it might not be forever, and it might not be your cup of tea, and, but you're willing to offer a hand for the time being maybe and maybe be praying more de- desperately for the, for the person that needs to fill that. You know, sometimes I'll do all kinds of stuff in a church, and I'm really bad at it. But I'll do it so that somebody will go, you know, he's not really good at that. We, he needs help. Yeah. So, number three, he has his notebook open. He has his notebook open, meaning he's listening to the people that are around. He's not tuning them out. He's, he's, he's giving them the respect of your brother or sister in Christ of mine number 4 is pushing others into the spotlight that yes at times you are in the spotlight but you're always thinking of who has God also gifted to be in this place i feel that one in the position i'm in right now being an interim pastor and going from church to church because there are not many there's there's been a depletion of pastors and there's not many that are coming up from, from the ground up. And, and, and I really pray that we as churches, as local churches, realize that we are the discipleship station where those young people come up in and are discipled in to go into full-time ministry. It's one of the greatest things you could ever do. So you're pushing others in the spotlight. Number five is confessing before they are dressing. Now notice both are there Because there are things to address. You think of the passage of Scripture. Before you take the speck out of your brother's eye, take the plank or log out of your eye. Taking the log or plank out of your eye, that's confessing. Taking the speck out of your brother's eyes, that's addressing. So you are going to address things, but the best person to address something is someone who is already confessing. Is already a confessing person. Coming to God, not making minimalists of their of their of their sin. So a few more quotes here. If you don't humble yourself, somebody else will. Yeah, that's from personal experience. I know that one. If you don't humble yourself, somebody else will. Another one from C.S. Lewis. For pride is spiritual cancer. How many have had cancer? Yeah, I got my hand up. Woo. Pride is spiritual cancer. It eats up the very possibility of love or contentment or even common sense. And I would even throw on there, um, if I could add to the quote, unity. Unity. It, it, It eats at unity. Next one is John Stott. At every stage of our Christian development and in every sphere of our Christian discipleship, pride is the greatest enemy and humility our greatest friend. In the Christian world, in God's system, it is greater to be humble than to be prideful. Am I a prideful Christian? Ask someone else. Ask a trusted friend of yours. Am I a prideful Christian? Do I sometimes show those five points that Pastor Adam, you know? And if that person says, well, since you ask, and you respond with an argument or rationalization, that's how you respond with an argument or rationalization to what they're telling you, then you just prove your own point that you are. Yeah. And you'll have to eat crow at that point in time. So, each month we've been having application points. And these these are easy this month because we're talking about humble service and generous lifestyle. And we have ministries in the church that, we, that you can become part of. So the first one... At, we get a pantry list every, every week in the bulletin of things that the pantry needs. How many have given to the pantry? You've, you've dropped something off the pantry. Okay, okay, let's do it again and more, okay? And, or even help out with the pantry ministry because you have a love for those that are in need. We have a foster family ministry. And I'm so thankful for that family ministry that people come up alongside of these families who have said, we're gonna take children into our homes and, and help them with that. You need to speak to those ladies that lead that foster family ministries because you have a love for family. VBS. VBS is coming up July 31st through August 4th. And, and I know that Chris is still looking for some people that would like to help out. You have a love for kids. Great way place to serve. Youth ministry. You heard it this morning. They're looking for a couple more youth leaders to help out with our. And I mean, you got to have a love for teens you got to have a love for them for where they're at right there and come up alongside of them. There's another place. Yes, last week we got the CRCA donation list. It's a, it's a list of a, a mission that we support down in Liberia. And I think there's still some sheets on the Welcome Center. And, and it's a way that we can fill up this container that we're going to ship all the way over there. And you can look at that and say, okay, there's a way. If you're part of a small group, pray and keep your eyes peeled. If you're part, this is a challenge to anybody who's in a small group. Pray and keep your eyes peeled for a way that you can bless somebody this month. Maybe it's somebody within the group. Or maybe it's someone that the group knows, someone in the group knows outside of it. And say, hey, let's pool ourselves together, our resources together, ourselves together. And let's make a blessing to them. And then the last one I put on here, and I put it in the bulletin too, is I know I, I you know, like spiritual gifts. Blah. Um, the best spiritual gift study I have ever done is called Your Divine Design by a minister named Chip Ingram. And I I gave you that. You'll have to type that whole thing into your browser to find it. But there's like eight or ten videos there where what he does is he looks at the theology of spiritual gifts. Then he looks at giving you a definition of those spiritual gifts. And then he gives you the dangers of spiritual gifts, the warning signs that are there. The whole idea is for you to understand spiritual gifts, because we're not supposed to be ignorant of it, but to be able to identify it in other people, not yourself, in other people. So as other people are serving and you understand what the spiritual gifts are, you come up alongside of that brother or sister in Christ and you say, wow, thank you for using that gift for the, rest, for the betterment of the body here. Kind of thing. And then you're just waiting other people to be able to do that for you to affirm what you're, but you can't, that won't happen unless you serve. You can't understand your spiritual gift. If you're not serving because where they see your spiritual gifts is when you are serving, you got to serve for people to be able to see your spiritual gift. Did I get that across enough? Okay. But that's a, that's a great, this is on your own kind of thing. You can go on there and listen to those, those videos. I, you can listen to an audio. I think they're all audio kind of thing. But it's a great way of saying, how can I serve? So now we end the sermon this way. We are thankful for Dennis and Vanilla being here with us. They are missionaries to Liberia. And they have one more way. One more way of humble service and generous lifestyle to share with you of something that is coming up hopefully next year. So Dennis, Vanilla, would you come?
2: God is good. And all of the time. We are always grateful to this family of believers for how you, are, you continue to be involved with us and the work that God is doing in our part of the world in West Africa. And It's like you're following God's command, like he's saying in Acts 1.8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in Old Samaria and in the uttermost part of the world. So Liberia is your utmost part of the world and you are actively involved with us there. And we say thank you and thank you and thank you very much. There's another great opportunity coming up next year to have a team coming from here to come to Liberia. We thinking it will be somewhere around August of next year. Uh, My family will be there by July, June, July. We will be in Liberia and we want to be there to host you to do several things.
3: Yes. So the option or opportunity to come to Liberia and serve the Lord with us there. Um, Like Dennis said, next August is the plan. We will put in details as we go, but our, our ideas or goals for what the projects and the mission will be. We're hoping as God supplies, we want to drill a water well um, up at uh, in Lofa. That's a little bit of a drive up where we have a school there. There is no water um, on those grounds for those kids in that school at this time. So we're trusting the Lord to provide the funds to drill a well. So that would be one of the pro- You know, it miss all that need. Yes, Amy, really, that pricked her heart, just the water wells and the opportunity. How God uses those water wells, I mean, obviously the physical need for clean water, but um, even more than that in a community, God uses it to open doors for the gospel. So that will be another component will be outreach and sharing the Jesus film um, in the local dialect of the people in that area. So that would be one of the other portions. Then we will also like to host a vacation Bible school for the school and that community There are many, many children. We're talking hundreds of children. So it would be quite an undertaking. Anybody going to be part. And we would also like to do some teachers training, um, especially early childhood education training, kind of continuing on with what the team that I went with did this last time. So those would be some of our primary projects and components. So at this point, we're really just asking if God is touching your heart or you're interested in even a little bit. Please make yourself known to Carrie or Amy or The Office. Write your name down. Come to a coming up meeting where we can just ask questions and talk, and then we can continue to pray and see how God builds a team and where we go from there. Thank you so much.
2: So look at it. You got a picture in mind? This is the picture. I want to draw it again. So it's way up north, and it's to the border of Liberia and Sierra Leone. So whatever we're going to be doing, two nations will be benefiting from it. And everything else we'll be doing will be done simultaneously. We'll have team, a part of the well-drilling crew. So this is a machine drilling a well, and all these people in the village will come standing around. And there will be a crew going from house to house, from heart to heart, sitting with people and sharing their faith. You know, simple, your testimony of how you became a Christian and just the role, the Roman role and all those things. And then at the same time, there will be the teachers. We got two schools up there, the Bokasa school and the Konya school. The teachers from these schools will be having their training going on. And because we got a bunch of kids, the other putting care, the VBS will be doing that at the same time, simultaneously. So you can do so much. In other words, there's something for everybody to do. Or you can just hold a kid's hand and walk around the village. So thank you, Pastor, for letting us share this.
0: Hold up, hold up. Hold up here, ladies. Pray for you real quick. Lord God, uh, thank you for this time. Thank you for the time in your word learning. Uh, You know, I'm sure that you have pricked hearts this morning, that you have worked in our midst here, um, that you've called some of us uh some of us are called to repent some of us are called to to serve in a new way with a new heart and then to end here with this opportunity uh to open up these doors to to be this 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 um your hands and feet in the world lord god and i just i pray for our congregation here i pray for Dennis and Vania and i just pray that we would be uh filled with the joy um about walking into the the service and the work that you have before us lord
1: lord we just we just pray this in your good name lord. amen amen have a great day